Hello, I'm Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to or watching Radio Maine. Today, I have with me artist Scott Bowe. Thanks for coming in today. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. Scott, I have to start with this beautiful piece behind us because blue is one of my favorite colors, uh-huh. and you have a lot of blue in this piece. What's the name of this piece? And describe it for people. Well, this piece right here, let me preface by saying I'm a blue guy too. I, I mean, I love the blues, the whole spectrum. Uh, and I, and I, and I lo- enjoy playing with, with that. Um, the name of it is Balmy. And I'd like to also say, before I get into it a little, is that I always title my paintings after the fact, after they've been done. I never have a preconceived idea of really what I'm going for necessarily. Um, I can get a little more detailed on that later. But um, in this, so this to me, you know, again, I like to keep the names um, pretty nebulous and, you know, for pretty obvious reasons uh, to, to you're not suggesting or, you know, putting a, some kind of thought into somebody's mind about what it is. So my paintings and my titles of my paintings, and this one, Balmy, like I said, is it, they're always about a feeling. The words I choose for my titles are about a feeling. So, I mean, Balmy, to me, when I, when I was finished and I kind of felt it, it's always a feeling. Um, it felt just very um, relaxed and and calm, very like balm, like, you know, just, it's soothing, right? Um, it was very soothing to me. However, I could have taken the name to, you know, with the word balmy as being mad and crazy. Like he's, he's acting a little balmy right now, isn't he? You know, so it's some, that's what I was referring to when I choose titles. I don't like to use one that, oh, that's what it is. So I should start thinking that way. This was also, let me get into this, the creation of this. This is um, called fluid acrylics, uh, which are different than your normal, like, tube, you know, uh, acrylic paints, meaning the viscosity of it is a lot thinner. It's a little more watery and um, horrible. That's why they call them pores. And um, uh, this, this style of painting actually originated in, ni- in the 30s um, by accident by, I uh, can't remember his name, is this a Mexican um, uh, artist. And he in- basically invented um, fluid painting. So it's a matter of taking the whole canvas when it's blank and filling it all with what I call just white space. So you take a polymer, like a, a clear polymer, and you add the white to it, and you, and you basically drench the whole, the whole canvas is all wet. And then you play with the colors, and you just, and again, it's a feeling. It's a, what feeling am I feeling right now? What am I going for? Um, uh, and it's all very in the moment. Acrylics dry very quickly. So it's always like, okay, I got to get, I need that color, but I don't have that color. I got to mix that color. I got to, 
Um, yeah, so I I got when I got really into the painting, I I started to think of it more as an ocean esque like um, tropical, breezy, balmy type of atmosphere. Um, yeah, to answer your question, that's my long winded answer. Well, it is very beautiful, and now that you're saying this, I can I can see the the two different ways of potentially looking at the piece. When people um, acquire your pieces for their homes, do they ever come back to you and give you a story around the piece that they chose and why? Sure. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, they've, I've had many people come back to me and, well, it's interesting with people that purchase um you know, art buyers that purchase art for the purposes of the true purpose to put it in their home and, and appreciate it, um, that they, uh, it, it resonates with them. And they, I've had people call me and say, and, and really get, harp on me about, why did you name it this? Why is it called that? Because what I see is this. And I know this isn't directly answering your question, but I really, as an artist, one of the biggest things I enjoy the most is hearing what other people see. So, yeah, I've had, I've had many instances where people have contacted me after purchasing a piece. Or, you know, my mind when you initially asked the question was to commission um, pieces where you're collaborating, of course, with the the person, and you can, um, yeah, yeah. I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. So that must be an interesting process if somebody's commissioning a piece from you. Yes. And your pieces are very abstract, and you just described your process as being very in the moment. So how do you bring those two things together where somebody else has a different idea of what in their mind might be what they're commissioning, but they've asked you to do it? Right, right. That is, I can't replicate this, okay? I mean, I, I can come close, but no. This is a lot about gravity, movement, um, uh, a lot of different techniques. But uh, when you're doing a commission piece, uh, for example, um, I had this one, this one guy the, who from New Jersey, and uh, he had this huge. Just had bought this huge house, um, big cathedral ceilings, and he took me uh, took me through it with his, virtually through with his iPad, and he had this big space for a, a triptych for three three in a row, and he wanted them like fifty by forty for three of them. And yeah, it got, gets a little tricky, especially with that dimension. Um, so I started asking quite a lot of questions when, when I'm in that kind of situation. Well, first, first of all, like you know, what kind of lighting is it under? That I always change my lighting for a commission to to make it be represent with the way they want to see it, but. To work with somebody when you're an abstract painter or an expressionist and to have somebody else tell you 
what direction to go in, like you were saying or asking, was it, it, it hasn't been a big problem, to be quite honest with you. I can understand how that, that, that you can't do exactly maybe what they want, but you're always, and that's the beauty of it. You, you get creative together. But it's it's still it's still abstract, but in 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 more in their color palette and more of their suggestion. But it, it can be done for sure. Well, I know that some artists prefer not to do commissions. I I'm, you know that that is always sincerely blown my mind. Um, I I guess I respect a portion of that. Um, philosophy uh, for me I think it's one of the best things in the world I absolutely absolutely love the collaboration between a buyer and uh, somebody that's going to be have my painting on your wall it's going to be because I view painting as being alive it's 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 living it's I know that sounds kind of esoteric but it, it's a uh, it's it's purposefully done it's it's got energy it's resonating it's has an affect it moves you hopefully that's the purpose yes hopefully and so yeah as you're talking about this collaboration i'm reminded of the fact that you had a completely different career, which I think still continues to this day, um, as an actor. And acting is also very much um, both individualistic and collaborative. Yeah, it's ambivert. <laughs> it's extroverted and introverted at the same time. So tell me about how the work that you did as an actor has either... Um, contrasted with the work that you're doing now as an artist or contrasted against or been um, similar to the work that you I'd do say as an artist? Yeah, I, w I definitely would suggest, because uh, I've given it a much thought and I've experienced moments where as an actor, well, let me just say that Colors represent emotion inherently. I'm speaking like an authority now. Okay, uh, they they there's an inner palette. I always view things uh, when I was an actor as well. Um, and I, if I was doing a scene or in a play, or it didn't really matter. It was about color. It's like an explosion of color. Color colors have emotion. I think we all know this, um, but I don't think people quite. Some people just don't really acknowledge how impactful that color can be. Um, that they that they that everybody actually does have this um, this inner palette of colors that represent different emotions. So with that said, acting was very similar to painting in the sense that it's about color. For me, it's not about memorizing lines. It's about a feeling. So here you go with the feelings. The colors 
right? Precede the feeling. So it's, uh, it's been extreme, extremely helpful. And I'll say this. I'll also say this. This, is, this was a, a big aha moment. Uh, when I moved to Los Angeles, I auditioned and got accepted to a, um, a school called Groundling School, um, Improv. And I was there for two years. And that, I've always kind of made a reference to painting um, in, in retrospect now as, an open, as a blank canvas. Because just think about it. Okay, two people on an open stage, blank canvas, no idea what you're going to say. No idea what kind of paint you're going to apply. No idea what the color, first color is going to be, which would kind of suggest the next, like a conversation, so to speak. And so it's a very vulnerable place, which I find attractive. And also, I think it's a perfect place for creation. I think uh, that vulnerability of having an open stage, open canvas, and um, and having the, the 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 whole color theory of emotion at in your hands, so to speak, um, resonate both with acting and with painting. The biggest difference is the the solitude. Yes, acting, you're, you sound crazy a lot of times because you're just, you're learning your lines and you're walking around your house or your studio, whatever, um, and you're just talking to yourself, you know? And uh, yeah, we always used to say, it's just a crazy house. We're just crazy people, you know? But it's, uh, yeah. No, I think they, I think they, uh, besides the, besides that one aspect of, the performance is for art, right? Is to have it displayed, and then being able to maybe discuss it or talk about it. Um, but with acting, of course, it's a it's a it's a um, it's a presentation. It's a, I mean, it's a, um, a physical presentation. Yeah, performance. What you're describing is so interesting to me because I, I do think we think of art as being static, but we talked about just a few minutes ago, this idea that not only do you interact with the art, but the person who has the art on their wall interacts with the art on a regular basis. So it's really not static. It's, it's, it might be, it might look, it might look two dimensional on the wall, but it's kind of continually interacting with whatever our emotional state of the moment is really. That's a really good way to put it because I think it can change. Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of people have, bought a piece of art or acquired a piece of art or made a piece of art that at one point in time in their life it, it meant and felt uh, had its own attributes. Um, but then you, as you go through life and time passes by and you have different experiences that it may take on a different form of feeling and or you may see something different. I don't like, I, uh, that's, a, I would follow up with that by saying that, um, that sort of, that's a lot of the reason why I've been drawn to um, abstract, particularly abstract expressionism, is because about feeling, how, you, how it can change. 
And, you know, I've, I've heard people say that have a lot of art in their home that it's kind of like having friends around, you know, when there's nobody else there, like they, they're truly invested. They're, they're speak, they're, they're speaking, their friends are there, you know, they're having a conversation and now it sounds weird, but it's, it's, um, they're alive. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're right. And it's, it's interesting because, um, some days when you walk in, you're right, you're not paying attention, you know, you get off of work and everything, you're just kind of right in your own self. But other days you can walk in and the sun can hit the wall in a certain way. It can, you know, light up something that you had forgotten was there. And then all of a sudden your mind is activated again. You're interacting with the art. And uh, it's it's a really, it's an interesting and, as you say, dynamic process. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So tell me about your relationship with the ocean. With the ocean? I mean, I know that you've lived on both coasts. Yeah. You grew up in Connecticut. You lived in Maine. You spent a semester at sea. Yes. So, um, oh, that's an interesting question. My relationship with the ocean is very deep. No pun intended. It's very, uh, I like you just said, I, I grew up in Connecticut, but spent every summer of my life in Freeport, Maine, and on the water. Uh, very fortunate. My great-grandfather had purchased um, a parcel of land on the water way, way back. Um, and it's still in the family today. And we had a summer home also on that property. So every summer of my life would be revolved around being on the water. No TV. Just being on the water, clam digging, water skiing every day. Fishing, boating, kayaking, going out to islands, um, exploring the the rocky coastline, which is what it is. It's an ebb and flow tide, so it's always changing the scenery. Um, you never know what the tide's going to bring in. It's also really cool to go scavengering when I like with my kids. But when I was growing up, it was it was just it was it's ingrained in me. Now, you brought up various uh, aspects of the ocean, um, but of my experiences, but the colors, for example, even in this painting are, are representative. When I started to, like I was saying, I don't know what I'm going to do initially when I get to the blank canvas, but these colors are all, people like to think of the ocean as blue or teal. It's not, right? We it looks that way, but when you really get down to it, there's a there's a you know think of seaweed and think of seagrass and think of the the mud that the clam diggers go through and the seashells and um, the, the 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 just the sediments and the water and the, um, you just you it takes on a whole new life of its own um, and you just start to feel more like what you used, what the term you used, a relationship uh, with this this environment. And and it, and it makes you more aware of, in my opinion, of, of all the different um, uh, colors that encompass uh, the ocean. So with that said, yeah, and then I've had the unbelievable um uh 
I went on this program. It was for 100 days. And it was, like you said, called Semester at Sea. And that we literally circumnavigated the globe. I remember, and I, I don't know why this just came to me, but I was standing next to, I went on alone. There's 400, 450 college students going around the globe on a cruise ship to nine different countries. I didn't know anybody. I, and I just remember standing there, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but it's just whatever. And we're just looking off the big bow, and this kid looks at me, and he's like, man, that's a lot of water. And I'm just like, yeah, we're going, we're going around the world. There's a lot of water out there. Yeah. And so it was, it was, it was unbelievable um, if you going to see, let's, let's just for quickly just say the differences between, um, you know, crossing the Atlantic. We went down, um, you know, to, to, uh, to, first to Venezuela, then to Brazil, but then across the Atlantic to Cape Town, South Africa. And just the seeing birds that live in nowhere. There isn't any land in sight. Seeing, uh, going to Malaysia and the water, I've never seen water like how pristine and green and just almost fictitious. It's almost not real. It's, it's so beautiful. Um, same thing with the, the sand. Um, we went to Angel Falls, the highest waterfall in the world. I think it's three or 100 times, 30 times, 100 times higher than Niagara Falls uh, in Venezuela. And the sand was all pink, just truly just pink sand. And so, yeah, my, and I could go on and on, of course. I mean, but there's a huge part of me that's, I'm also a Pisces, so I'm a fish. Honestly, I could have guessed that. You could have guessed that? You okay. Um, and yes, so uh, I am very much um, a fish. <laughs> I love the water, and I've spent a lot of time around the water. And, and now I get the, the pure enjoyment of having my kids who are uh, twins, uh, nine-year-olds, and bringing them out and giving them the same experiences, not around the world yet, but down in Freeport on the water. And it's just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. There's nothing, it's cathartic to me. There's truly jumping into salt water. The ocean feels electric. It, again, back to feeling. It truly feels that way to me. Yeah. I bring my kids down during COVID. We, uh, we stayed down in the beginning um, for the first three weeks at, um, down at my parents' house, um, which uh, we would go down to the shore. And I'd say, okay, now it's, we're going to ground ourselves. And we would and put our hands in the salt water. Don't talk for five, ten seconds. Okay. And you just feel amazing. I'm being sincere. I really think the water is that powerful. That's enough of water. Just to join in with what you're saying, in traditional Chinese medicine, um, the water element is associated with the organ system of the kidney and the bladder. And it's considered your kind of your inborn chi. This is the, the energy that we're all born with. 
and it's the thing that we are supposed to try to preserve to the extent possible over the course of our lives. Right. I mean, we all come from water. We all we are all made of water. We come from water, and eventually, you know, who knows what happens to all of our molecules when we die? But right. most likely, many of them will join back with water. Very so, interesting thought. That's so, good. I mean, your relationship with water is perhaps a little bit more tangible than many people's, but it's still pretty important to all of us, really. Yeah, I mean, hearing what you just said, it makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah, we we are we we were enveloped in water. We we just we're floating, or we are fish, I guess, <laughs> to some extent. But uh, no, yeah, I mean, we all have an affinity for water, I would say. And do you think that because there's so much of the water element in your work that people are attracted to it in part for that reason? Well, let me ask you, do you, do you think that's what it is? Do you think there is, is that what you see, a, a lot of water in my work? Well, I mean, I've known your work for a while. I've known you for a while. And you, you are right, by the way. I mean, but I, I just, I'm just. Yeah, well, I want to hear what you see. Well, this is this is me, and my. And actually, it's always been my response to your work is that um, it's in part the fluidity of it, and uh, the motion, and it's a very changeable sort of a, a, approach to seeing the world, which for me is very much water-oriented. But other people may see it differently. Well, that's a fact. The the world is primarily water. But yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. Like I said, I mean, I I choose, I love blues. I love water. I love, um, I like effervescent colors that represent like seashells and stuff like that. Um, and most people do see uh, a lot of water in my work or more topographical uh, looking at objects in, in an environment or a mountainscape or um, yeah, I get subaquatic a lot. Like, you know, it's underwater, it's life underwater. Um, and you can get as esoteric and metaphysical about it as you want you know um there's um yeah i would say topography people have always said it looks very topographic um and then also um subaquatic or actually an ocean yeah well, but even when I think about topography, isn't topography also a relationship between kind of um, soil and trees and water? I mean, that's and when you're describing your semester at sea, all I could think of were you know in the the, the cliff, the white cliffs of Dover, and you know the granite cliffs of Maine, and even that interaction between the landscape and the seascape. So it's. Uh, it's just kind of interesting to think about your the way that you've experienced the world and how it's been manifest in the art that you've created. That's an interesting perspective. I, I and I agree with that, one hundred percent. And I like also to do a lot of um, what a lot of artists call a negative space. I don't like the word negative, and so it's white space. So it kind of gives it that uh, island esque um, uh, feel to it. Yeah. Has your art 
evolved? Oh, tremendously. I, I mean, mean, I actually ask this because I know the answer to this question. Because I, I, I remember when you first started back up with your art again. Yes. And then over time where you've wanted to go and needed to go. But tell me about that. Was there a place where you kind of said, okay, well, I think I'm done with that now. And I would like to move on to something else. Very interesting question. I started, uh, I'm self-taught. Um, I, I say I'm self-taught, but I was taught by friends out in Los Angeles that were represented. They were real artists and just and and actors, and they, you know, just hanging out late nights in their studios and stuff like that. And, you know, I never, uh, I always took it as just fun. It, it was just fun, and uh, never once in my life, ever once, did I say to myself, "I'm going to be an artist. I want to, I want a painter." Because artists encompasses a lot, right? So, I mean, a painter n never wants, no, no. But it, so it was more about, in retrospect, I was, I learned a lot by working with these friends, you know, just about, I didn't even know what gesso was. I, I didn't, I truly, uh, you know, but getting back to the, the evolution, yeah, I, so I started out learning these techniques and, and you know, using brushes and palette knives and um, doing uh, some pourings um, and and just different styles. Uh, I started out using brush only. I you know the typical um, you know I would I would sketch. I started out actually with more sur surrealism like. Um, crooked buildings and and these these works actually i don't even think they've been seen but this these were what i started out and so it was more like surreal as it was abstract but surreal you could still make out the the figure you know that, that that's a building whatever um but it's uh it um it's evolved in the sense that man I, it's really, this is a really hard question because I enjoy doing all of it. I, I, but in terms of me as an artist evolving uh, with the craft, what's the, when I got into fluid acrylics is when I really, really started to get extremely passionate about it and I, I don't really like using this example but i'm going to because i can't think of anything else but there's when i did change from doing other types of work which is always again like been abstract but not fluid necessarily at all um a lot of gestural type of stuff but it uh, it uh i it's kind of what's expected, not expected, but it's what it's what resonated the most with the the larger audience of spectators. That's that's where um, that's when my art started to sell. <laughs> Let's say that is when I when I really kind of hit a sweet spot. But now I'm and people took to that. It resonated with them, and in, and it was and it's great. I mean, I've 
developed a, fo- a following because of it. But I just say the one thing is it's hard. It's hard to go back. You can't. It's because people are used. It's like a sitcom actor. You can't get out of that role unless well, a couple can. You, you know what I'm saying? But it's. Uh, I, I love doing it. I love doing it. It's. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's a very hard question, Lisa, because it, you know I've done everything from finding a lobster trap um, during COVID, during our scavenger hunts with my children, and making uh, painting it all gold and putting a buoy in gold. It's all, and it was all just a metaphor for what well, the experience we were going through. That nobody's going to save you, no matter how much money you have. And I'll, I could get way into it, but my point is, I've experimented with so many different kinds. Um, it, sometimes it's not even a sellable piece. It's just a piece that's in me that I just kind of want to make, like the lobster trap. Um, yeah, it's evolved. It's it's evolved into different styles, different forms. But then ultimately, I came to find one that I really, really liked, and it and it was untraditional. It was. It, that's not why I liked it, but it went. I never have my canvas on an easel like I used to, ever. It's always on the ground. I am always have a perspective, a, a, like a bird's eye perspective of it. Um, I, I'm holding the crossbars on the back. You know, it's all about movement. It's about patience. It's, a, it's, it's about composition, I'd say most importantly. Um, but... And that goes along with all the styles, of course, but it, but it's uh, um, the composition piece. But uh, yeah, that's the best as I can answer that question. That's a. It, it sounds simple, but for me, it's not. It's it's uh, it's. I've tried many techniques, but this is the one that feels right and, and resonates the best with people. I think. Wow. Your work is gorgeous, so I think you have hit a sweet spot, at least in my humble opinion. Well, thank you. Yes, and yes. I've enjoyed my conversation with you today. I've Every time you and I talk, I learn a little bit more about you, and uh, it's interesting to see how you've evolved over time, as we all do, right? Absolutely, and and same with you. I've enjoyed this talk immensely, and thank you to Portland Art Gallery, and um, and I've learned a lot more about you as well. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I've been speaking with artist Scott Bowe. You may see his work at the Portland Art Gallery or on the Portland Art Gallery website. Scott is also often at our Portland Art Gallery openings if you want to meet him. He's a fascinating person, as I think you probably can tell from our conversation today. I appreciate your being with me today. I appreciate it as well. Thank you so much for inviting me.